Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show, part of the Loving Liberty Network. Liberty Moms are the defenders of the home front, the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children's family and their communities. Today, Chris Kimball is hosting, and I, I'm so excited because I have my the original Liberty Mom team. I've got Julian Jackson joining me this morning, and uh, Liberty Moms kicked off in 2015 under uh, at, at K-Talk Radio. And we were part of the uh, Liberty lineup there at K-Talk. And uh, Jolene and I were the, we, we did the aspect that really pertained to the mamas at home and uh, worked together for, I don't know, about a year and a half before you decided to make that big jump and move to D.C., Right in the thick of, right. of all things liberal and, oh my goodness, yes. But uh, I'm excited to have Julene join me this morning because she, um, we were traveling together for the last 11 days and we were in Egypt and we kind of want our listeners to hear a little bit about, about Egypt, of course, but more so about the experience of traveling overseas. What does that look like now? Because most people haven't left the United States. You realize that, right? Do you have any friends that have left? No, no. In fact, uh, to be honest with you, Chris, I want to say maybe I've never traveled more since COVID just for some of the assignments I've had with Moms for America. Sure. And most of my friends are, I mean, they're just starting to do road trips, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been traveling a lot domestically. With yes, I have. Yeah, which I yeah. let's let's talk about that. You're vice president of Moms for America, and right. that is a very important group right now because the whole culture family is under attack, and so you've actually become busier through this yes. all of this than you ever were before, right? Oh my goodness sakes! I think I take off for uh, Florida here in another week or two for a speaking assignment. Yes, mamas, grandmothers—they're very worried and concerned about you know these mass mandates, vaccination mandates, critical race theory that is being taught to their children and grandchildren. And so there has been a real need uh, for them to have some ideas about what they can do to be a part of the solution. And so, you know, I teach these national classes online, a couple of them uh, each week, and and we have up to a couple hundred each class, probably over a thousand each week, moms and grandmoms that are tuning in. And, uh, and then we're going to them and we're holding these mom summits, you know, we'll get a hundred, 200 mamas that will show up and, and, and want to know. And so it's really fascinating to me that, uh, that, they're, that they don't want to be woke, but they are waking up to kind of this awful situation that is before them and before the people that they love the most and, and what can they do. So tell our listeners where they can hook into Moms for America. Yeah, it's just at uh, momsforamerica.us. 
you can go to cottage meetings and click on virtual cottage meetings where we have a 12 week series of 12 introductory lessons that are going on right now. And I teach those Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. They just are one hour. Moms from all over the country get on each week. And then after the class, they all want to share about these teachings of liberty and, and freedom that, and the stories and miracles of America that they're learning through Moms for America, how that is prompting them to make changes within the four walls of their home and, and what they're doing out in the community. And they are, it's just remarkable, the transformation that, this knowledge, when it gets into the heart of a mother, how God will prick the heart of that mother to do something. And it, it looks different for every home and for every mm-hmm. mama and mother. But um, it, it's really sweet to hear their stories. And they want to share how, you know, these principles have, have impacted their homes and communities and neighborhoods. So it's really exciting. It's thrilling. It's it's. it's- it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. And if you're up and you're doing and you're being led by God, it really is a great time to be alive because you can do so much good out there in the world. Because you see his hand, you can actually see his hand guide you and um, nudge you into certain directions if you are open and willing to do that. So you've been doing lots of travel across the country. And I I have to say as well for myself, uh, I was um, helping with the, you know, trying to get President Trump reelected and then trying to um, uh, go to places where we could help canvas um, voter irregularities and, and suspected voter fraud. And I was also in D.C. with you on December. Yes. Your organization got attacked for being <laughs> one of the groups there that was promoting espousing liberty and freedom and educating mamas and your group came under attack because of the auspice umbrella of what happened on February 6th, which we both know firsthand is a total lie about what right. they're to sell. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Chris, uh, I thought January 6th was what, 10 months ago, nine and a half months ago. They still will have stories on the front page of the Washington Post about every other week about those insurrectionists, January 6th, you know, those, those right really. and I, I mean i just laugh that they're trying to just get us i mean talk about beat a horse dead yeah but it's, they keep well, resuscitating it yes yeah, so um we did we just uh, we just did international travel and so international travel is a whole different ball game because not only are you dealing with what your country is is wanting you to do the hoops that they want you to jump through to get out country but you've also got a new country to go into and what do they do under this new auspice of you know um stopping the spread of the global pandemic and and that sort of thing so we had the opportunity to go to egypt together and uh we egypt is one of the more um travel friendly countries i would say yes (laughs) <laughs> uh, one of our friends, Kristen Chevrier, right now is in England, and she had to do a 10-day quarantine before she could begin. Her husband does work over there, but they have to quarantine for 10 days before they can begin to do anything else, which makes it impossible to do a tour over there right now. Right. So, yeah. Um, in Egypt, they are um, they do vaccinate. People are getting vaccinated, and the tour industry, from what I heard, Everybody is vaxxed, so that would mean people in hotels, bus drivers, um, 
tour guides, all of that, they're, they're vaccinated. But they, um, they're still allowing individual liberty as far as um, people coming into the country, whether they vaccinate or not. They're letting those individuals make a choice. And uh, the only thing that was required of us was a PCR test. Right. You, when you arrived in D.C., did you have to show your PCR test? When we came back through customs yesterday, uh-huh. surprisingly, we did not. I mean, I had to wait in line for almost an hour and a half coming back into Washington, D.C. Uh, and then I was waylaid for an orange that I forgot to eat from my Egyptian hotel, which cost me another half an hour, uh, you know, because they had to do all kinds of tests, it seemed like, on this one orange. <laughs> but I did not, I, interesting enough, I did not have to show them the PCR test, which was so bizarre, because, you know, Chris, if I didn't know better, I would think COVID doesn't exist in Egypt. I mean, I, I, re- I really didn't hardly see anyone wearing masks. Even in the airport, I went, I, I didn't even have to put a mask on until I stepped on the airplane. I went through like, you know, six security stops and no, no official asked me to put a mask on. And, um, and even in Egypt, I noticed they don't have stop signs or stoplights. Everyone, you know, they kind of just know the deal. I saw no accidents there. I think there's like 20, what, 6 million people out of the 100 million that live in Cairo. So just huge traffic jams. No, no stop signs, though. And I, I found myself thinking, hey, I like the way they do things here. You know, we're going to we're going to explore that a little bit more in the next segment, because, see, I, my mind was just like, OK, there's no impedance of travel. There's a principle there. We're going to get into that. But, yes, I was with you uh, in the Cairo airport, um, no mask, and I'm talking to government, I'm talking to police, I'm talking to different people there in the airport, and it was just the airlines. The airlines is where they get into the heavy-handed. And I know in the United States, the airlines is kind of a little auxiliary of the federal government because they've been taking bailouts for a long time. And they have the, uh, the the federal government has kind of an extended arm into the airline industry. That's what I've noticed. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get back. We've got uh, Julian Jackson with Moms for America as my guest. We're revisiting uh, international travel, this in particular to Egypt. And we've got lots to talk about when we return here on the Liberty Mom Show. Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. And my guest is Julene Jackson from Moms for America. And Julene and I were partners in crime on the Liberty Mom program many, many years ago. So it's great to talk with her today. And uh, we were talking about, you know, getting out of the country and the flight experience. And I, um, I have to say that uh, what I noticed with the airlines when I was traveling domestically and Trump was still president, Delta, for example, in particular, they were really a lot kinder and gentler about their mask mandate. Um, Would you please think of others? It's about safety. It was all this kind of soft sell, but it was still mandatory, but it was a soft sell. And 
As soon as the administration changed and, and we had the new person occupying the White House, the Biden administration, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, it was like night and day. I mm-hmm. airplane, it was like, this is a federal law. If you do not comply, you will be arrested, mm-hmm. will be taken off the plane. It was just as heavy handed. We are, we are telling you tyranny what to do. Mm-hmm. I, that immediately. And even in Amsterdam, when we were boarding, they asked you Delta. So it's Delta. It's not the country of Amsterdam per se, but it's the Delta gate agents are asking you to promise to fly with your mask on. Did you get <laughs> that question? Delta, Delta asked us, do you promise to keep your mask on the whole time during the flight? And I said, unless I'm eating. If I'm eating and drinking, I don't promise that at all. That is so funny. So, Chris, me and my husband, because we live on the East Coast, we flew Qatar Air, Qatar, uh-huh. or Qatar, it's a country. And I, I was asked one time to put, put my mask on because I mostly did not wear my mask the whole time. On the plane? So, uh, on oh the plane. So I, I put it on as I walked down and sat down, but then the lights dimmed and boy, that mask came off and, and uh, they didn't say anything to me in the 14 hour flight except one time. And she was so lovely about it. And so such a huge difference, those American airlines versus these foreign uh, airlines. So Cutter Air, yeah. they were, uh, it, it was like a night and day experience because it's like a police state on a Delta or a United. Yes. Or- so what, what our listeners have to understand is that when you start your travel um, home from, from the African or it, Middle East, it's, a, it's an early morning. So you're getting on the flight. At, you're taking off at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you've been up all day long, and now you're on this flight. And, and then you get into Amsterdam, you have this long layover. So on the Delta one, I've already been awake for I don't know how many hours, you know, 20 seven, eight hours. And somehow between taking a drink of water, I fell asleep. I <laughs> and so my mask was down and they and I have no one sitting next to me, vacancy, I'm by the aisle. So no one is within six feet of me. And he right. picks me up just <sighs> put my mask up. And I'm going, are you serious? Like I'm asleep. Like why are you waking oh my mask. Oh I mean just ridiculous. You know yeah. But, um, but anyway, so we, well, I know, I know the solution isn't to become an Egyptian citizen or, you know, yeah. some of these countries, <laughs> but you sure really get the sense, or I at least felt that this is what freedom looks like. You decide, yes. you know? Yes. Right. And so it, it, we got introduced to Cairo cause we landed and, uh, late, late in the morning we get up and. We want to just walk across the street because there's a, a shopping center across the street. We're going, no big deal. And then our guide says, well, be sure if you try to cross the street. Like, she's not impeding us, stopping us from going. But she said, make sure you, you walk with a local Egyptian. And I didn't get really what she meant. And she says, well, there's no intersection. And they'll just weave in and out of traffic. And it's best, it's safer if you go with them than you trying to do it alone. And <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. They can have seven lanes of traffic and they walk through it. Right. And I mean, there was no crosswalks, no green light, red light, yellow lights. I mean, people just use the good brains that God has given them 
to, you know, and look, they want to live. They want to live to see the light of another day. And no one wants to hit anyone. And, uh, you know, like I said, Chris, we didn't see, did you see one paramedic? Did you see one accident? Uh-uh. Millions and millions of people crammed into this, you know, Cairo. And uh, can I tell you how many motorcycles with a father and a mother and a baby up front and then a toddler on the back that were speeding along in the freeways, no helmets? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you just saw, you actually just saw self-determination. Like, I will make my own decision about how I go from point to point. There, I did not see a nanny state. I did not see people, no. oh, you're going too fast. You need to slow down. Oh, you're doing this. You're doing that. Oh, you can't ride with your, it was all about, they're, they're letting people make some individual choices. Yeah. And for the most part, when we asked our guide, um, she said they don't have accidents and we were in worth the traffic and I did not see one accident. And we're talking high volume in some, in Cairo itself and Memphis. Yeah. And rush hour, they have rush hour, just like we, Mm -hmm. but they just allow traffic to flow. And there's a, there's a principle about you have the right as an individual to go from point A to point B without being impeded by anyone. Mm -hmm. You look at, if you take this back to colonial time or even further back to medieval time or, or back to just even back to the future or in Egypt, they're doing the same thing, but they're allowing people to travel unimpeded versus in the United States where we are, we've just got such great, you know, um, organized law and order with <laughs> sections, which is probably the majority of most accidents happen in an intersection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll probably have to look up a statistic, but I'm sure I've been to traffic school. So that's kind of <laughs> all that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really, it really reminds me of that sport rugby that is so popular over internationally where they have no helmets, no guards, no protection. And it's just the ball and the players. And it's a really physical game versus the NFL, the football, where they all are padded up with helmets. And, and there are more injuries in the NFL. And I think it's because the players are just more reckless because they think they have all these rules and restrictions and armor around them. And so they like yeah. turn their brain off and they just do wild and crazy and dangerous things versus when you know all you have is your body and the ball, the rugby players, uh, the injury incident is so much lower because they're just smarter and wiser about how they play the game because their responsibility is on them. Exactly. And I think sometimes we can turn our brain off when we think, well, they're going to look out for me. Pedestrians have the right of way. They'll stop. And you have to realize that, no, you have to be watching the traffic all the time, that it's really your responsibility to go from one side of the street to the other and you and they do it. I mean, you'll see kids, you'll see families, you'll see women, men. They all understand the the rules of the yeah. that particular system. And it's you make that determination yourself of how do I get across the seven lanes of a freeway or highway, you know. And this isn't just, you know, neighborhood traffic. This is mainstream. <laughs> Millions. Yeah. And so it was interesting to watch. But I do know that I... I'm sure our cities and and towns make a lot of money 
with traffic citations that the Egyptian government is missing out on. Just think <laughs> if had all these new rules and regulations and, and speed limits and stuff, they could be making a boatload of money off of their citizens, you know, because that's what we do here. It's it's commerce, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's true. And, and you know, it's so interesting you know, the, the, the town, the city kind of looks like a third world bombed out place. It does. Of- and Julie, we've got to, we've got to wrap up here. We're going to come back. Just a quick break here on the Liberty Mom Show. Okay. All righty. Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their their families, their children, and their communities. And this morning, I've been able to um, have a conversation with uh, Liberty Mom Julian Jackson, who is with Moms for America out in, she lives out in D.C. And uh, we've been re, um, revisiting our experiences over in Egypt. And I guess Egypt is really interesting because it's a third world country, and you were just bringing up the idea that some areas look like they've been bombed out or whatever, but they, um, it is, you're going back in time. I call it back to the future because it is future. You're in the future as far, well, not future, you're in the present, but you're back in time as far as where they are with um, some forms of transportation, uh, how they um, build, what their homes look like, what their communities look like. They're very very humble and very, um, they're very poor. And Egypt has been really hit economically with forces, everyone, but they also got a double whammy with Arab Spring. But you were making a point um, at the end of the last segment. Well, it it definitely looks third worldish because all the houses, it, it was explained to us on the tour, you know, they all have rods and wires, like they're all unfinished, but there's you can tell people are living in them. And I guess apparently there's a law that if you don't finish a building, you don't have to pay taxes on it. So they'll build up to about three fourths of a, you know, enough for people to be able to live in, but still quite, you know, uh, it, it, it just, it, it looks, it looks, I don't know why, but it looks like it's kind of just rubble and bombed out and unfinished and wires and things shooting out the tops. But but, you know, I mean, me and my husband, Al, were laughing it, for it, it seems to be still a developing country, even though it was one of the original, you know, I don't know how long it has to take to develop, you know, the great Egyptians and the amazing pyramids and the infrastructure that they built hundreds of, you know, I mean, thousands of years ago. But they're still, you'll, it wasn't uncommon to see in some of these towns, you know, a, a little donkey carrying, you know, supplies in a cart. And I'm like, right. I'm like wow, they're, they're, we're still developing when it seemed like they were so ahead of their time as you looked at the architecture and the intelligence of, of these ancient temples and, and their writings and, you know, ability to communicate on the wall, these hieroglyphics and how their mummification and, I mean, 
so advanced, really, for, you know. Well, we learned when we were at Kamambo, for example, they have a wall outside of the temple that has a lot of medical um, hieroglyphics about um, the medical world and uh, women giving birth in particular. So there were birthing chairs, okay, which actually makes more sense than the modern day Lie flat on your back on the table. Don't allow gravity to help with the process at all. Heaven forbid. Just lie flat on your back. It's the worst way to have a baby. And that's our modern civilized way to have babies. So ridiculous. Okay. Didn't we even see symbols of, from the medical field and and. Uh, them doing cornea or eye surgery. Yes, they did a cornea like transplant type thing. Yes, they had symbols for that as well as this is what was really interesting is they could tell the sex of the baby while the still in utero, and they did it through hormones, and they um, they would get a sample of the amniotic fluid, and then they would use barley and wheat. And if the they would put a drop of the <clears throat> they would put the uh, the fluid on the wheat and the barley. If the barley grew and started to um, show <clears throat> that it was growing, that was a boy. And if it was wheat, that was a girl. Yeah. Okay. And then fascinating. And and yeah. that was all. And we know that because it was depicted on the writings on the wall. Is that how we? Yeah, the hieroglyphs. Yes. Yeah. Then they also had a way to determine whether there was any mental um, mental issues with the baby because, <laughs> you know, back in those ancient kingdoms, there was a lot of um, marrying a brother and sister. And at first, we didn't understand, well, okay, I guess they didn't have to worry about that genetic gene pool when they're getting married that close. But they could go in and test through the amniotic fluid the, the um the healthiness of the baby, whether the baby had any sort of um, uh, mental or physical issues, or at least mental, okay? And unfortunately, they would abort. They were aborting babies, which isn't any... Wasn't that wild that that we were able to see there were instances of abortion thousands Mm -hmm. of years ago? Well, and, you know, Enoch, I mean, the Egyptians date back to that the dispensation that ended with Enoch and in the book of Enoch chapter 69, I want, Oh, I'm not sure on the verse, but in 69, Enoch teaches us that abortion was taught to, to the men on earth from one of Satan's soldiers, one yeah. of priests, yeah. the idea of killing the embryo in the womb. That's what <laughs> abortion is. It's killing the embryo in the womb. So that comes directly from Satan, according to Enoch and his writings. And we don't have Enoch's books were removed out of the Torah. The scholars believe that uh, Enoch was probably one of the first five books of the Torah, but it was removed and substituted and Deuteronomy got put in and whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's fascinating that there could be that type of medical technology Mm -hmm. in Egypt. So we really discredit these ancient civilizations as thinking that they're barbaric and that they're so far behind in thinking and science, mm-hmm. when maybe we're the ones that are a little bit behind, mm-hmm. because the way we allow women to give baby birth 
is not very conducive for childbirth at all. Right. So, um, but it was, it was so, it was so interesting. There seems to be some, uh, regression, shall we say amongst Egyptian and women, because, you know, as you see the hieroglyphics uh, in the ancient temples and the pyramids, you know, women played such a prominent role. I and mean, she was right there next to a uh, man, you know. And nowadays, it was so interesting to see how so many women there dressed in their black robes with just little eye slits. And uh, as I would gaze into their, you know, some of them, you could see a little bit more of their face. There just wasn't much expression to the women. I don't want to say they were soulless, but, and I think maybe it's years and years of being so covered up. They don't even think to smile or or to have conversation because they're largely ignored when you can, I mean, we kind of get a sense of it wearing a mask now with the pandemic, how people just treat each other subhuman. But as as an Arabic woman to be covered from head to toe from the time you're married, I mean, for decades and decades, I think, I think it's a problem with, and I even talked to some Egyptian men and they said, it is a problem with these Egyptian women. You know, they, they really don't go out in public much. And when they do, they're covered from head to toe and they just are home (laughs) waiting for their husband to come home. That's what one of the Egyptian men said. So it's interesting. I don't think I'd want to be a woman in the Middle East. No, and we, we actually had a, a woman as our Egyptian guide, which was which was nice to have because a lot of times, even in Israel, it, when I go to Jordan, you rarely, rarely have women um, being the guide because, again, they're more at a in-home sort of environment. <clears throat> and when you go to Egypt, you just it's really a patriarch. You're you're in the men's world, don't you? Don't you feel like when you go shopping? I mean, it's all men that you're bartering with. You don't have sure. I mean, you're, you, almost ask, you almost ask, where are the women? So we mm-hmm. passed several schools and it looked like they were all boys schools. I, I never saw any girls at the school, which is, which is interesting. And uh, I, one, I saw an interesting site at the pool at one of the resorts we stayed at there. She must've, anyways, it was a woman dressed from head to toe in her black robes in the pool with her robes on. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know it, make, it just doesn't make sense. But I agree with you when you when I'm forced to mask, like when I get, you know, in a plane or or something like that, I, I just feel like I've disconnected from humanity. Like I have my mask on. I've covered my um, features of my face that communicate. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I don't communicate and they don't see my smile. People don't see it's just, it's really subhuman, as you talked about, or dehumanizing. Yes. And that's a culture that has uh, done that to women when Egyptian culture has been known anciently as the most veered culture for women. They are, yes. there. They, they're part of the coronation ceremony. They have yes. of, um, uh, key roles in the Egyptian um, theology. Yeah. In- with the equal goddess and you have your male female partner all of that we are we're finishing up we've got one more segment which and we'll be right back after this short message
Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball with Julene Jackson today. And we've been revisiting um, our experience in Egypt that we just returned fresh from yesterday afternoon. And one aspect I want to bring up is the medical uh, medical liberty. There's a little bit more medical liberty and common sense on how they treat COVID in Egypt compared to our industrialized uh, modern Dr. Fauci, know-all, see-all, be-all, and, and the death rate. And so Egypt actually has a lower death rate from COVID than America, okay? And we just got through explaining how it's more regressed than America. It's third world. But the one thing they don't have in Egypt is they don't have Dr. Fauci. I wonder if, that, <laughs> wonder if that's the safest thing for them is they don't have Dr. Fauci. You know? Yeah, I think that's I mean, why they're doing so well. They don't have a savior called Dr. Fauci, you know. They don't. They have the Mediterranean fruits and vegetables and vitamin C. And they have ivermectin. Didn't we make a little <laughs> stop at one of the little stores there? We Chris? did. So we made a stop. It actually was at a, a market. Someone needed, I don't know, something at a market. And a couple of doors down, there was a, what they would call their pharmacy. And uh, Robin and I jumped off the bus and went in and asked for ivermectin. Okay. And uh, they happened to have two boxes and the shelf life, it's fresh. You know, people go, well, is it old? And no, it's fresh. It's good till 2025. Wow. It cost us a grand total of three US dollar. <laughs> Three US dollar. I didn't have to have a prescription written to me. You know, I didn't have this rule to jump through. I didn't have to have a consultation with a physician. I could just walk in off the street and say, excuse me, I'd like some ivermectin because it stops the replication of all viruses and uh, impede parasites. Right, right. Things that happen here. So a, a little pharmacy along the side of the road has ivermectin. And I have to pay, you know, such an inflated amount of money, hundreds of dollars for somewhere in India to get ivermectin for dogs. So in my shelf, I've got bottles of ivermectin with doggies on it, you know, but I have <laughs> on the black market. Can't, the can't get it here in America, the most advanced nation in the world. I have to go, you know, on the black market to get dog right. ivermectin. Because Dr. Fauci, we have, you know, we have Dr. Fauci, the esteemed doctor who actually um, helped develop COVID-19 by um, having that science go over to China and paying them money, okay, to enhance, you know, gain of function, all of that. And he now doesn't want us to use ivermectin. But in Utah, my experience was I had to go to a doctor, have a consultation, and then get a prescription. And it was $200 to fill my prescription of ivermectin. And I walked in off the street, being a foreigner, I'm not even Egyptian, being a foreigner and asked for ivermectin and had it sold to me for a grand total of $3, including tax. And and the rate for COVID in Egypt, honestly, Chris, you would have thought it was non-existent. Right. I mean, no one wears masks. No one is talking about it. Certainly no one looks like they're living in fear of it. Like Their children do not wear masks at school. Did you see that any children wear masks at school? None, none. They don't abuse their children in Egypt. Yeah. And granted, they probably have really good vitamin D levels because of all that sun. It rains maybe one or two days a year in Egypt. 
Probably. Our our guide was telling us that when they come down with um, COVID, that if you get a positive test, this is what they have you do. They don't tell you to go home and see if you get worse and come back. They actually, you can go to the public hospital, which is free. Now, I, I didn't have a chance to really explore a lot of the healthcare industry because they have public and they have private. Yeah. And she doesn't do insurance because she just goes through public, the hospital care. But they, she took her son when he tested positive. He, they gave him vitamin C, vitamin D, and then a kind of like an antiviral treatment. It wasn't an ivermectin. It was something else. Plus, they gave him the same, um, the vitamin C and D to take home to his family so that they could boost their immune system while they have their sick person in their midst. What a novel concept. Imagine that. Let's work on our immunity. Yes. Storing up our immune system. Yeah. Yeah. See, so here you have a third world country that's impoverished, but they have the knowledge to understand how important the immune system is. In America, we turned our brains off. We went into fight and flight and we put a mask on and now we're terrified to be around each other. Right, right. Hey, we just had a mask mandate in Washington, D.C. for public indoor spaces just removed yesterday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, 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 I, I, and the school, the public school systems are still requiring the kids to wear their masks, even though the mask mandate has been removed for all buildings within the, the you know, D.C. area. Uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm still trying to figure out the reasoning behind that. But I actually I landed yesterday and took my little daughter to a little woman's musical at the University of Maryland. It was for a school project. And all the kids that performed in this performance wore masks on stage. So sad. I was like, what? So I just come from Egypt where it's like COVID doesn't even exist. Coming back to America where it took two hours to get through customs because, you know, (laughs) we're asking every question on the sun. And then going into, you know, a theatrical performance where everyone on stage wore a mask it was a musical singing through their masks oh it's <laughs> I don't so know. sad such a, such a contrast really yeah such a contrast and and i really as much as uh, egypt was a, a a place to go of learning which i felt like i was a pilgrim going to to learn about what was going on with these temple rituals and and yes. theology and and yet it was also a vacation from the whole COVID experience. Yes. We so. didn't hear about it. You know, if you wanted to wear a mask, you could. No one was stopping you from wearing a mask. Right. It was just be normal. Just yeah. if you're, you're in sunshine, fresh air, you know, that impedes the immune system. They know how to treat the immune system. They believe in doing it naturally. Right. And it was really, it was yeah. really respite from what we and then you come home and you're just thrown back into the minutia of control manipulation propaganda all of that stuff yeah. right. well the uh, so so i accidentally 
brought an orange uh, through because I forgot I had it in my bag. So they waylaid me for half an hour. And I really don't, didn't think I was complaining, but I did tell him when I, I went to Egypt, it took me 15 minutes to go through customs and it was almost taking me two hours. And he told me that if I had a problem, I needed to contact my senator or congressman. And if I kept complaining, he was going to issue a complaint or some sort of... Are you kidding? Yes. And I thought... And then he began to complain to me how he'd been working since six o'clock oh, a.m. And I just looked at him and I thought, oh boy, this man's very fragile. I better just zip my lip or else I'm yeah. going to get arrested right. back in my own country. Yes, you want to. Well, our experience in Salt Lake was very different. And I don't know if it was, I, it, it was creepy. Nonetheless, it was easier, streamlined. But uh, if you've ever traveled internationally, you usually have to go through um, filling out a little form that tells p- them where you were, um, if you purchased over a, a certain amount of goods, um, if you've been near agriculture or animals or things like this, who you were exposed to, none, that's gone. All they want is a picture of your face. They just want your yes. face. And they promote it that. as being, oh, this is so great. It's so easy. It just We're just going to scan you. We're going to scan your face. We don't care anything else. And um, there were three of us that opted out. And I just went up and I said, I, I declined to have my face scanned. You could opt out. Wow. I said, why? And I said, because I, first of all, I haven't given you permission and I don't care to have you scan my face. It can be wow. simple. Like it's my privacy. That was brand new to me too, that they're taking all of our pictures as we come through. Well, and that's where you have to, that's the thing is we have to realize we have to say, no, no, I don't give you permission to do that. Well, and and I think, you know, because we're such honest law-abiding citizens, we just think that we just have to go along. Just like my orange, if I hadn't said anything, they would have never known. But because I pulled the orange out of the bag, I had to be waylaid another half an hour. And I was oh. like, this is insane. Orange drama. You created this orange drama around that little piece of fruit. Yeah. yeah. Oh my so goodness. I, I think I, I think Chris, like you said, we have the right to stand up and push back. And if something doesn't make sense, we just don't have to, you know, show all of our we have cards. to. I mean, exactly. We have to. So even as travel, we're we we're finishing up here. I appreciate Julene joining me. Momsforamerica.us to connect yes. us. But it's been a pleasure to re revisit and Share a little bit about what we saw in in Egypt compared to what we're seeing today in America. Yeah, yeah. Chris, it was so great to be able to be with you almost two weeks. You're so, uh, yeah. Well, it was I'll travel, great. I'll travel with you anywhere, girl. I'll go around All right. the world with you. All right. All right. Thank you. Stay. We'll be back next week. Okay.